SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Advocate Tiriso Tipanyana, CEO, South African Human Rights Commission. So good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good, morning, good evening to you and to your listeners. That song, who were you hoping was listening to it and got the message of wake up everybody? Come now, be frank. Well, you know, it's Human Rights Month and uh, the country has serious human rights challenges. And therefore, the song is uh, to all South Africans to what, wake up and, and do things differently. What, what's keeping you awake the most? What, as you engage your work as a Chapter 9, specifically looking at human rights that are being violated in this country or are not being guaranteed in line with the constitutional prescripts, what is it that absolutely makes you do the work that you do and want to do more than what you can do, but simply because the work is that much more needed now than possibly any time before in our constitutional Mm -hmm. democracy? I would say the overriding concern for me really is the uh, increasing levels of corruption, which then manifest themselves in many ways, but also the issue of violence in our country and uh, levels of poverty and increasing inequalities in our country, but also, you know, the the loss of humanity, uh, the respect and care for the other, which is really uh, the soul which is required to make our country the country which we all aspire for. And how do we negate all of these things? Corruption, violence, poor governance, general loss of humanity, the increasing inequality... How do we negate that as a society? Well, uh, on the lighter note, uh, hands, uh, Harold, Melvin, and the blue notes, uh, wake up everybody. <laughs> but uh, definitely, I think uh, for us, it's, uh, it's, it's a constant reminder that, you know, there's no other way for us as a country, as a people, uh, other than, you know, advancing human rights, but also, you know, to help all of us to hold our government uh, more accountable but also to encourage and and urge those who are in power uh, to do the right things. You know, our country is founded on on values of human rights, and uh, there was a reason for that. You know, our people fought for human rights. There's a reason for that. You know, without human rights, there's no stability, there's no development, and there's no prosperity, and there's no peace. And therefore, you know, this is what we have to keep doing. There's no other way for us. I'm going to ask something which is necessary for me to know. I don't know whether or not you are sufficiently empowered to respond, given the separation of powers issues or just the respect for other Chapter 9 institutions. But you tell us to wake up, wake up everybody, because we've got these social challenges and concerns in the country, a lot of which comes from inefficiencies in the public service. And, of course, we know that part of the corruption that is taking place, or at least is manifest, in the public service is lubricated and is channeled ultimately through and by the private sector. Could we talk, though, about your colleagues as Chapter 9 institutions? A couple of years ago, SARS had serious challenges if the name Tom Moyane is spoken of. 
it seems now similar challenges are finding their way into or have been with the public protector for some time now, certainly for the best part of her tenure. One, how do you relate with these Chapter 9 institutions? Not personally, I'm talking about institutional relations. And how are the challenges at these Chapter 9 institutions affecting your work? Well, certainly, uh, you know, the the failures and challenges uh, amongst Chapter 9 institutions also, you know, affect uh, the work we're supposed to be doing. These bodies, you know, have been established to strengthen our constitutional democracy and to help to advance human rights. But I think sometimes, you know, we we tend to forget that these bodies, you know, are funded by taxpayers. They are accountable to, to parliament and to the people of this country, ultimately. And, and therefore, we also have a role to ensure that you know, they do perform properly, but we also appoint in these institutions people who basically are, are fit for the job. And, and therefore, you know, when people don't, then we should strengthen our mechanisms to make sure that those who don't do the work uh, get out. You know, in the private sector, if you are a company that are director and you are undermining the value of the company, the shareholders will remove you. And I think it's high time South Africans really become much more vigilant about those whom they entrust public power into and those whom they assign uh, public resources to to make sure that those people do the work properly. And if they don't, give them a red card. Well, talking about the red card, in in, in the light of empowering citizens, perhaps to be uh, referees with sufficient evidence empowering mechanisms for them to actually dish out a red card which will be full and final as a red card inherently is. I want to take you back to 2003. Former President Tawambegi instructed Frederick van Slabert to a, well, let me just call it a commission, established a commission to look into the electoral system. Among the things that Frederick van Slabert suggested was constituency-based representation in Parliament the best part of that that has happened is the recent judgment by Justice Matlanga last year in about July, August, where he said independence can stand for elective office. But that really is a court judgment. There is a report that was commissioned by the president at the time that to that extent had made suggestions of the fact that the current electoral system allows for the patronage network Cater deployment, very little accountability save to the top six of the ruling party of the time. What might your views on this be? Well, clearly, 25 years later, that system, you know, which might have been well thought and well intended, has clearly shown uh, that the challenge is as far as, uh, you know, accountability is concerned. And that's why, you know, the courts have said, you know what, this system is unconstitutional. And we do need a new system. But we must also be very careful, though, because we have other countries uh, with constitutional systems which still have problems. So, yes, the system is good, but what matters the most is how effectively do we as citizens use the system. So even under, under the current system, you know, we could actually have still have managed to hold uh, parliament to account to make sure that parliament actually does its work as well. So to some extent, we also as citizens have somehow, you know, uh, forgotten that uh, the parliamentarians and government are accountable to us and we've given them a bit of a free reign. So, yes, the the new system will help a little bit, but ultimately the system will depend on how we as people of this country 
hold those in power, including chapter institutions, to account, including people like myself. Mm, outside the vote, outside the vote at national and at local government, what power does the public generally have? I'm talking about now a power that is realizable, that is realistic, that we have been sleeping on, that if as the public we were simply doing A, B or C, things would be very different. What is that? Well, I, I, I hope I'll, I'll use an, uh, an example which might not be, uh, hope is not too offensive. Mm. But let me try and put it like this. You know, if you have um, a driver whom you've employed, yeah, maybe that's a better example. Uh, now, if the driver decides to do whatever with car, uh, what would you do? Would you keep quiet? No, it's your car, it's your petrol, it affects your business. And, and we don't know how things that happen generally. But when it comes to public power, uh, we, we somehow uh, give our drivers uh, free reign to do whatever with our car, crash it, uh, go and uh, go to find places with it. And that's why, you know, democracy is government of the people, by the people, for the people. Maybe over the last 25 years, we have not, we have not done enough to empower people to realize they have the power to, con- to, to, to hold government account within and outside elections. So it's not just uh, during elections. It's every day we have a right to hold everybody. Our constitution talks about accountability. Those are the values. So we need as people to be able to hold one another and our government to account like we will do to our drivers. But what is to account? I mean, I'm thinking now the legal system going through the courts process, it may be very lengthy and expensive in certain instances, if not in most instances in law. Outside picketing, rioting, holding protests, the sun of that day will set. And when that happens, we will be in our respective homes, possibly having a conversation like this on air. Those to whom we are airing our grievances or against whom we are airing our grievances, they hear us, they sleep, they wake up, and they just go on as though nothing had happened. What are then those mechanisms that exist in society in the constitutional arrangement that do not allow the kind of complacency we are now seeing, we are now witnessing, we are now subjected to, that any number of politicians may be found guilty if it is guilty or may be sufficiently too close to, in the proverbial um, line of season, the with his wife Pompeia, that my wife must be above suspicion, who are just carrying suspicions, whose middle names are suspicions and allegations and all of this thing. How do we ensure that justice is not done, but more importantly, is seen to be done? Yeah. Well, I would say, unfortunately, you know, uh, from a constitutional point of view, uh, the most powerful institution in this regard will be parliament, because parliament can hold the judiciary to account and the executive to account. But I think over the past 25 years, we have seen a very weak parliament with due respect when it comes to holding uh, uh, those in power to account. Because remember, parliament is actually our elected representatives. Those are people who are representing us. But I think to a large extent, Supposedly. many members of parliament seem to have forgotten that mandate and they think now they're accountable to themselves. And that's why so much rot happens in our country so much inefficiency. We can hold, make our justice system effective. We can make governments effective. 
uh, if we have the will. And it's possible, you know. I'm wondering what your thoughts are there at home. How do we hold our elected office bearers to account? How do we hold our drivers to account? How do we ensure they drive our car with our fuel, with our maintenance, and of course, with our lives at stake, the way that they should be driving it and the way that we want them to drive it, to borrow the analogy of Advocate Tipanyana, who is the CEO of the South African Human Rights Commission. We are taking calls in Johannesburg 714-2006. Please give us a call. He is our guest this evening, and not long from now he will take over because it is hashtag Tuesday takeover. Let's listen to one voice note with the hope that by the end of that voice note, as you guys were very diligent yesterday, the lines would be flashing because they are teeming with your calls. Thank you, Songezo, and your guests. If basic human rights stipulated in the Constitution are not adhered to and infringed on by the government or the ruling party, is it not the duty of the constitutional court to force the ruling party or government to adhere to these laws? Whose mandate is it to protect the citizens of the country when constitutional laws are infringed upon? Please place some emphasis on that. Thank you so much from Chapter 2. That pretty much dovetails with the last point that you had raised, that Parliament is that institution that ultimately, I mean, you could take a parliamentary out, as it were, and put me in there, and, and that's what it should look like. They are the representatives of the people because they have been put there by the people. I think what Chapter 2 is ultimately getting at is if this is not taking place, the question of holding public office bearers to account. Of course, respecting the arrangement of the Constitution in terms of separation of powers, the judiciary, the executive, and the legislature, but Parliament ultimately becomes that guardian in the ordinary sense. The Constitution and the Constitutional Court comes in later in the day when clearly these arrangements have failed. How do we ensure, one, we send the right people to Parliament, two, they become members of parliament before they are members of party, both MP, but it's a nuanced one. And how do we ensure when they are errant, they don't return? Well, you know, at least now that Donald Trump is gone, you can cite again the Declaration of Independence of the U.S., which says that, you know, uh, people create governments out of their own free evolution to maximize their rights and freedoms. And if those governments no longer meet that role, then they have a moral and legal duty to replace those governments with relevant ones. And I think we need to get to a stage where we as citizens, uh, even within between elections, if we're not happy with those we have put in parliament, then they must be removed. We don't have to wait for elections. We can petition them. We can say, please resign. We do need a mechanism like that. You know, we can't wait for five years. And that's why the song is wake up everybody. I think it's high time South Africans <laughs> take back power. Government is as nothing but an agent of the people, funded by the people with their heart and money, and therefore it must deliver according to the wishes of the people. And I think this has been one of the biggest tragedies in our country, that over the last 25 years, we have handed over all the power and monies to our drivers, and they can do whatever they want with our cars. Then we come and complain. Here's a caller who will have lots to say on this matter because he's a regular on this feature. Sello in Mokopane, good evening. Welcome to The Viewpoint. Your thoughts, please. Thanks, thanks for taking my call, but I, I was listening yesterday, last night. <laughs> Thank you. So, good man. Yes, we, we need to just 
Anyway, as long as it is a pity that we are discussing this kind of topic, who or how the government should we hold them accountable. Um, where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting, there's nothing as um, ordinary people can do to make this useless leadership to account to us because the system does not allow us. Um, the system, like KGM used to say, it was never for us, it was made for us. So we, 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 we are leaderless and in my view, we are going nowhere with this kind of leaders we have. So we're in trouble, Songhezo. Um, I really thought I would come with a better solution for this discussion, <laughs> but there is none because they, ha- they, they, they only listen to themselves. I remember Guadalman Dasha, but then uh, while he, he was a secretary, he said he will never ever listen to anyone except the ANC um, people. So we as listeners listening, discussing these important issues night and day, mm. they're just laughing at us. I think we're just wasting our time or we're just making time to just pass. Tomorrow we're going to talk about that and then next year we'll repeat it Songhezwa, which is very painful for some of us, whereby we see these things happening in front of us. What we can do is to come on air and vent our anger and then we sleep. Tomorrow it is the same thing. Yeah, gotcha. Again and again. Thanks, Bud. Much appreciated, Selamukopane. I think what is most telling in that, and I'm going to just give you an opportunity to think as other quarters come through, is what Selo says is, they listen to themselves. They listen to themselves. Mull over that. Let's go to Jenny in Cape Town. Hi, Sengezo. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Good evening, Jenny. Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking my call, and hello to your listeners. Um, the purpose of the call, Sengezo, is I, I, I've been listening to SAFM now for quite some time during lockdown because it's been probably a source of entertainment as well as education. Um, I never have been a radio listener period to date. I normally would have listened to the radio, you know, to the television or DSTV or whatever. But let me get straight to the point. I think we talk too much. There's way too much talking going on. And um, there doesn't seem like people are doing enough. I mean, the country seems completely and utterly upside down, topsy-turvy. I spent 17 years out of this country. I came back because I missed Africa so badly, and, and nothing seems to be working. And it, it's, not, it's not about the electricity and all that stuff. Just nothing seems to be working. And why is that, Sangeza? Why? I ask you from the bottom of my heart, why is nothing working? Turning and turning at the widening gaia. The falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart as the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The worst are full of passionate intensity. That's what's happening. William Butler Yeats, The Second Coming. Google that poem, and if you're not so sure, go and read Things Fall Apart by Chinua Acheba. That is what is happening. Let's move on. Let's go to Eman. Emmanuel, I beg your pardon, in Cape Town. Emmanuel, I beg your pardon for that. Thanks for calling Emmanuel. KGM after that. Emmanuel? Emmanuel? 
Okay, Manuel's going to come back. Let's go to KGM in Bombela right now. KGM, good evening. Good evening, Mshagazi. Good evening to your guest and to the listeners. Um, Sungas, one so took words out of my mouth. This system was never meant for us. It is made for us. And and two, there there is a lot that we can do. The the when when the the owners, designers, developers of this system uh, came and enforced it upon us, and we claimed and called it uh, a historical moment in '94. We said we we got democracy. We we were too excited about something that we did not understand. Now that 28, 26, 7 years has proven us wrong beyond reasonable doubts. What, what is our character as a people? Are we the type that will endure the pain of the continuation of a bad thing? Some of um, us, the same way that Pope before 94 were brutally killed they continue we continue to be killed as it is now that, that we we are being our characters are being questioned so let, let's not look at politicians and look at whosoever there's no manner from heaven that will come and assist us it, it, this is a call to me to you songa so to you listening that what is it that we do what is it that we're supposed to do to get things back to, not only back to, to, to normal because they were never, but to get them to the point or to the place where we want them. Songeso, thanks mm. for taking my call. Yeah. yeah, KGM, thank you so much. To the point. Poignant. Let's go to Tabo in Kruenstad, last caller on the segment. Thank you so much for calling us, Tabo. Hello. Indeed. Yes, uh, Songeso, I see now that 27 years is over, is only by next month, uh, former President Mandela say, if ANC doesn't work for you, don't vote for it. Now, here we are, we are asking still our questions to say, is there anything we can still do good? And uh, I don't think uh, we are wasting our time. Uh, there is by-election the whole South Africa by April will see if people they will still vote for them. Thank you, Sangeso. Thank you so much. Short and sweet. Dr. Tabo saying the election right now is our next best opportunity to express what we want taking place in the governance of this country. Selo, Jenny, KGM, Tabo, thank you so much for your calls. Do you want to respond to these callers, Sidiso, so that we can, one, finish this particular segment, and then you can have your own with Mr. Lawson Naidu? Yeah. No, thanks. I think we have a very rich, rich uh, history where our people have always resisted. And I'm sure we can see already around us that our people are beginning to wake up and say, this is not on. Uh, we want our country back. We want our constitution back. And we will shape the destiny of our country. And I think to some extent, manners of violence, our students who are busy demanding uh, better access to higher education are also highlighting some of this fighting spirit which you have. So as Harold Melvin says, wake up everybody. <laughs> well, keep us awake. Then after the ad break, it's your show with your guest.
Lawson Naidu and I have a bone to pick with him. He knows all about it after this.